Hey, good morning. It's Patricia Murphy. It's Wednesday. This is Seattle Now. If you like to do crosswords to pass the time in the ferry line, bring a few extras because wait times may be long for the foreseeable future. Washington State Ferries says they can't say when their service will return to normal. Fewer boats and workers are hobbling the agency. Seattle Times reporter David Croman explains what's going on with the fleet and what's ahead for passengers. But first, let's get you caught up. Boeing 737 MAX jets in the U.S. remain grounded today as the National Transportation Safety Board looks for answers as to why a chunk of one plane blew out during an Alaska Airlines flight from Portland. The planes make up about a fifth of the Alaska fleet. The carrier canceled 109 flights yesterday, and the disruption could last several more days as airlines inspect MAX jets and fix any problems. Boeing, of course, is under the microscope as more issues with the MAX fuselage have been uncovered. The company's leaders held an all-hands safety meeting in Renton yesterday, where the 737 MAX planes are manufactured. Governor Jay Inslee has had his last State of the State address before his replacement is elected in November. He reminded lawmakers that he is, in fact, still the governor of Washington and that he'd like them to continue passing laws that align with his agenda, including climate policy, education funding and housing. The 2024 legislative session also kicked off on Monday and runs until the first week of March. And Costco's Issaquah location is testing membership card scanners, according to multiple posts from customers on social media. The company announced last summer it planned to crack down on membership card sharing as employees have observed non-members using cards that don't belong to them. On the bright side, one user on Reddit says the scanners worked well and didn't add any time getting inside on a busy Sunday afternoon. Washington State ferries have big problems, and right now, there's no fix in sight. Last week, the agency revised a previous estimate that service would be full steam by 2023. Now, there's no date. It's been a struggle for businesses who serve the islands. Pete Moe runs Orcas Recycling Services. He says the slow ferries make it difficult to operate basic waste services. A guy drives a semi-truck full, uh, in our case, garbage that's going to go to a landfill. They get to the ferry landing on Orcas and the boat's canceled. So the driver sits there until the next boat comes, which could be a few hours. And by the end of the week, if he's spending an extra eight to, you know, whatever, 12 hours sitting, the company doesn't make as many trips back and forth. That's where the, the costs really pile up. And it's customers who have to make up the difference. Pete says it's hard to ask locals to pay more when the community has been dealing with the effects of inflation for years. Really, those waves haven't settled out completely, I don't think, through the economy. Also getting hit with higher transportation costs is fairly significant for for those of us who live up here. For the most part, he says locals get it. They know added costs are part of island living. People are pretty understanding, I think. And there is also a cost of living associated with living up here. And everybody kind of knows that they're going to have to pay more money for gas and more for groceries. It just goes with living in paradise. But the status quo with the ferries is more than just an inconvenience for riders. There are two main obstacles to smooth sailing for the ferry system, old boats and not enough workers. Seattle Times transportation reporter David Croman is here to talk about what's going on. Hey, David, glad you're here. Hi, thanks for having me. 
Yeah. You know, let's talk about particularly what's going on with these boats. couple of problems, right? We have a number of boats with mechanical problems. We also have significant staffing problems on the ferries. Let's start with the boats. What's going on with the fleet? So to start, the, the ideal number of boats that the state should have is 26. They only have 21. 26 boats basically means all boats can get maintenance whenever they need it. There's always going to be spares, you can be cycling them in and out, keeping them in good shape without ever hurting service. That would be what 26 boats allows you to do. The state only has 21 boats. Half of those 21 boats are older than 30. Five of them are older than 50 years old. One of them it should be retired already, but is not. Two of the other ones should be retired you know, basically this year or next, but they're not going to be able to do that. And so what that all means is that to, to sort of juggle the maintenance that needs to be happening on these boats all the time with emergency and unplanned maintenance. So something like a propeller breaks or, you know, as with the Walla Walla, the the power dies and, and it runs aground. All of that ended up means that really they're saying we can only count on having 15 boats working at a given time. And 15 boats is not enough to have service uh, to all the routes. And so therefore they're just saying, you know, we thought maybe we could keep 16, 17, 18 in, in service at a time, but that's just proving impossible because these boats just need more than they can that they can give. Is there an issue with the maintenance at this point? Because redundancy in your fleet is one thing, if that's the ideal, but it sounds like the agency is having trouble even just doing routine maintenance on these boats at this point. Yeah, because these are big, old, complicated machines. So it's, you know, at least two should be out at all times for routine maintenance probably more than that. I mean, there's a few problems. One, there's not a ton of dry dock space in in the region. So that, that doesn't mean you can't get them in, but it does mean that when you get on a schedule for routine maintenance, you really can't cancel that uh, appointment because if you cancel that appointment, the chances of getting it back in later are more difficult. But that means that if other boats go down unexpectedly, the ferry system is not likely to cancel that routine maintenance. It just gets really difficult to, like, shuffle those around because it just doesn't really work that way. Yeah. Really precarious situation they have going on right now, David. The other side of this is there aren't enough workers. When someone calls out sick, they don't even have enough coverage to meet Coast Guard requirements. What's being done about this staffing shortage? Because, again, this is something we've been talking about for quite a while now. We're going to keep talking about it because in the next five years, something like 50% of the most qualified workers at state ferries are eligible for retirement. So we haven't really even hit the bottom of the well on this. The the ferry system saying they need to hire basically at least 100 able-bodied seamen and, and deck officers every year just to keep up with the expected attrition, let alone to get back to the levels where they really need to be. So, I mean, a lot of the problems come down to it's just the entry-level positions are really tough because they come in and they're kind of on call and sent to far-flung places at last minute. It's a tough job. And so, you know, there's a lot of talk about making it easier for new hires to basically live on predictable schedules. That's one hope to bring in more recruits. One of the really biggest problems is that there, there are not enough captains or mates, these positions which are the highest, require the highest qualification. It takes a long time. There's a lot of certifications to go through. And they're, you know, in really high demand across the whole world. So grease the tracks a little bit between, you know, so people can move up a little more easily. And then, you know, just more money for for more hiring. Yeah. And, you know, 
These are real fundamental problems to a critical network. So I wonder how that is impacting passengers. Yeah, I mean, you hear this from anyone who lives in a community that's dependent on these ferries. It just means doctor's appointments, job interviews, getting to your job at all, sports games, you name it, makes everything in their lives more difficult and less predictable. And, you know, it's already a little bit challenging to live on a community where you're beholden to the ferries. But when the predictability of that is gone, then it becomes a real barrier to just, you know, basic everyday needs. Like we've been talking about, this did not happen overnight. How was it allowed to get this serious here in Washington, given all the things we've been talking about? To start, there were years of disinvestment from the ferry system. They, they lost in the car tabs that used to fund ferries, that those went away. That had started to turn a corner. The state had funded four new boats, and we got four new boats in, you know, the most recently 2018. And it kind of looked like we were on a path to getting five new boats within a relatively short time frame. But as we've talked about before, the, the state got to a point where it was really reliant on one shipbuilder in bigger shipyards. And the negotiations for those next new boats between the ferry system and Vigor fell apart. Suddenly, they just don't have anybody to build these boats. Okay, that's the cold, hard truth. What is the state doing for people in the meantime? Are they offering any kind of accommodations? The state is funding additional passenger service via Kitsap Transit between Seattle and Bremerton. That'll continue. So there's, you know, two trips, you know, two boats going back and forth between Seattle and Bremerton and on the weekends. So that's helpful. Possible we could see maybe more of that kind of thing on other routes. And you know, the state is going to fund a, a study to see what it would take to put a passenger boat on the state ferry route. So, you know, maybe between Seattle and Bainbridge. I don't know. Um, a lot of question marks about how possible that is. We're seeing some privately run groups, like in the San Juan Islands, run their own taxi service, boat taxi service between islands. Maybe we see more stuff like that. You know, I, I don't know. Maybe the state starts looking around to seeing if they're just off-the-shelf ferries that they can buy for temporary use. Sure, sure. The governor mentioned that he thinks the state needs to do everything to fix the system. Has Governor Inslee done enough for the ferries during his time, considering how important they are? That's a tough question, and I don't know if I have a clear answer for it. I think there was warnings to everyone in the state, governor, legislators, that the ferry system was headed towards a precarious situation. You know, the state legislators, for example, just recently made it legal to find out-of-state builders to help build ferry boats. There was memos and, and briefings and audits for years saying that this was probably what the state ought to be doing because they had put themselves in a really precarious situation with just having one shipbuilder bidding on these boats and nobody paid attention. In some respects, it was just seen that the ferry system was working well enough that it could be ignored until it wasn't. I imagine this issue is definitely going to play into the upcoming governor's race, even though Inslee is not running. Yeah, I would think so, too. You know, I mean, Inslee lives on Bainbridge Island. He's from a ferry community. And I think that in particular has made some people frustrated. You know, it's not the same for Bob Ferguson, but, you know, a lot of the ferry communities are heavy blue. We're talking Kitsap County and San Juan Islands. And, you know, these are all communities that vote heavily Democrat. So it's not like they're going to swing Republican all of a sudden. 
But is there enough frustration to peel off at the margins that have implications for the whole state? I don't know. I, I, I certainly think next year when there's a governor's race, I will be looking at these ferry communities and seeing if we've seen any difference. I, I don't think it's out of the question. Mm-hmm. Really appreciate it. Seattle Times transportation reporter David Croman, thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Seattle Now. And extra thanks to the generous listeners who financially support this show. Hey, Anne-Marie, really appreciate you. Today's episode was produced by Jenny Cecil Moore. Our production team also includes Caroline Chamberlain-Gomez, Claire McGrain, and Vaughn Jones. Matt Jorgensen does our theme music. Seattle Now and KUOW Public Radio are members of the NPR Network. It's an independent coalition of public media podcasters. You can find more shows in the network wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Patricia Murphy. See you tomorrow. 